from Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 252, The Calm Before the Storm. My name is Mike Hurley. Today, our show is brought to you by Pen Chalet, Harry's, and Mac Weldon. And I am joined by Mr. Brad Dowdy. Hello, Mr. Dowdy. Hello, Mr. Hurley. Are you okay today? Uh, yeah, I just got back from a conference. So mm. I have lost my voice, basically, which is good <laughs> uh, yeah. because nobody wants to hear from me today because we have a very special guest, don't we, Mr. Naudi? We do. This has been a long time coming, and we are super, super excited to have Caroline Weaver from CW Pencil Enterprises on. Hey, Caroline, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> excited to be here. Yeah, we are excited to have you and talk about you and your background and everyone's favorite stationary store on the planet. Um, I've never heard anything less than that, and I'm sure you haven't either from all your visitors and, and customers and fans out there. So thanks so much for finding the time out of your busy schedule to do this. Yeah, anything for you guys. <laughs> we appreciate it. Even though we like pens mostly, like we use pens all the time, that's okay. Like we can we yeah. can get through this. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. I forgave you a long time ago. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> we appreciate that. So one of the things that we wanted to do when having you on is a lot of our readers, our, our readers, listeners, aren't necessarily familiar with pencils or your story or the store or how things came about. So we want to, we want to take it way back and, and get you to tell some stories you've probably told in other places, but uh, it's new to our audience. So we want to talk about, you know, how you got into pencils and stationery and the formation of CW pencil enterprises and the brick and mortar and all these things. But I guess to, to kick it off, how did this start like in your life? Like for me, you know, pens was a lifelong thing when I was a kid. You know, I remember vivid. I have like vivid pen and pencil and stationary memories. Do you have these types of things um, like in your background with pencils or other stationary items? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I grew up in a really small town in Ohio and my mother is an interior designer and she used to work from our house. She used to have her drafting table in our dining room and she's very messy. So there were just like Mm. pencils everywhere all the time. And I think being around that definitely had um, a lifelong impact on me and not just that, but she had good pencils ones that she would travel to like other towns to find. Um, And when I was really young, she brought back a set of Caran d'Ache colored pencils from a trip to Italy, which Mm. is the object that I remember being like the first object that I loved, like the first object that as like a very young child, I didn't want to ruin. (laughs) Um, And that was a big thing. I still have that set of colored pencils. Um, But my dad, too, my dad, my dad was an engineer and he was really into into office supplies when my parents divorced and he was first trying to figure out like how to do Christmas as a single dad, he would just go to Staples and buy like (laughs) random office supplies to put in our stockings. He would just put like rolls of like scotch tape or like um, those like clicky pilot gel pens and um, like boxes of staples and like those really weird (laughs) tiny like mini staplers, like really, really random, just like quotidian average office supplies. Um, And so I think my love for... My love for pencils comes less from like an art background and more from like uh, I just like these things as objects background. Um, but yeah, I've just been using them almost exclusively my whole life and I collecting stories and like learning more about them and discovering ones in other places. And it took took a really long time for me to kind of like actually realize that it had become like my thing. Yeah, um, I think that that's a, 
a, a thing we see. Like, you don't realize it at the time, obviously, but, you know, 10 and 15, 20 years later, you're like, wait a minute. Back when I was a kid, I used to, like, really obsess over this silly stuff, and I would be pretty excited to get a stocking full of stationery, which is kind of what I do for my kids now, um, it, which that made me laugh when you were saying that. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of that guy. <laughs> Sticking the, the rainbow gel ink pens and the magic pencils and all kinds of things like that. Caroline, were you allowed to use all of the pencils? When I was a kid? Yeah. Yeah, I was allowed to use all the pencils. My mom didn't have any rules about that. The one thing that I was not allowed to use was the electric eraser. Um, mm. She had one of those erasers that you plug into the wall. They still make them, but they're like battery operated now. I've never heard of I, this before. <laughs> yeah, you use them like for like, I, I don't really understand even now like what the advantage of, I guess it's just, it's, I guess it's just like a lazy person's eraser. I'm not sure if anybody knows what these things are actually used for. Please correct me. But um, yeah, it just like vibrates and it's this giant, it was like this giant thing that you have to like hold in your hand and it's, it's not small at all. And it has like a stick of eraser in it and it just like vibrates. Um, and it's, it was really fun to play with. I would just like use up the whole eraser, just like erasing the surface of the table. Um, so I wasn't allowed to use that. That was the only rule. So when you were, when you were young, were you doing any particular thing with like the, the pencils and the colored pencils? Do, were you more of a, uh, into art and drawing or were you into writing and, and journaling? Did you have any particular thing that you did over and over again? Um, yeah, I did, I did draw a lot when I was a kid and I mm-hmm. wrote a lot. I always kept a diary and in my house, my mom always, said that the two things that she would buy us without question always were books and art supplies. Um, That those were like the two things that she would never hesitate about buying us um, whenever we wanted. And so we we had lots of art supplies when I was a kid, way more than toys. It was just art supplies everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with that. And like, I wish I could do that more these days. And, you know, maybe I should implement that in my household. It's a little uh, harder now, though. It it totally is, especially when your kids are 10 and 8. They're like, like, we practiced handwriting this weekend because they wanted to do it. Like, that is super cool. But then after that, you know, it was onto the video games or whatever, whatever they're into. So and and we'll talk about that later, how, you know, these analog tools are are making a comeback and seeing some inroads in in our own personal lives and in other people's lives in this in this digital day and time. But besides the Quran dash, were there any like particular items that you really, really latched on to? Have you, in, in related to this, have you heard of the Yikes pencil? Yes, I have so heard of the Yikes pencil. So that's Mike's go-to memory, right? Mike, yep. That's that was yep. your pencil growing up. Yeah. I mean, it was my first, basically my first own pencil and fountain pen. I, I bought a set I had, and I ended up finding it years later, right? Like I, I found the set that I had. It was mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. it was the fountain pen of knowledge, and it came in a little kit <laughs> with, with these crazy pencils. But yikes, were like they were a huge uh, thing um, from when I was growing up. Yeah. So, did you love any anything besides those Karandash colored pencils, Caroline? Um. Oh, geez. Uh, I had, well, I I loved my um, teal glittery space maker pencil box. Mm. Um, and the, those were the ones that had like the, in like they were like, had like these dots on them. They were like very textured. They had like dots on the top. They're plastic. And then the middle and the indented part where it says space maker on it. Um, 
you, it was like the thing to do to like color it with marker and then pour Elmer's glue into it and you'd like <laughs> let it dry and you'd peel it out and it was like the shape of a bookmark. You could make these like glue bookmarks. Nice. Um, I don't know who came up with that idea. It's very creative. It was not me. Um, but I <laughs> always had those at school and um, in my town we had a teacher store, this like store that sold teacher supplies that was in an oh, old yeah. house. It was in like this creepy old house and every room sold like different things. Um, and there was just one lady working there all the time. So all these rooms were just like unattended and you had to like walk around the whole house to find them. And there was there was some weird stuff in there. Lots of good novelty pencils. Um, that's where we'd go to buy Stetro grips, um, which we saw them. They're like these like tiny grips that have these weird looking divots in them that are meant to help you hold your pencil the right way. Um, yeah, I remember having like some of the, like the triangular ones. Are these different than that? Um, they're a little bit different. They're they're a little bit more advanced. They're kind of like it's like the thing. It's like embarrassing if you have to use one of those at school. <laughs> um, it's like a bad sign if you if you, like you're yeah. the kid who has this like awkward looking grip. And mm-hmm. that was always me. I had a pink one. God, but I remember those teacher supply stores. Those were like my mecca when I was younger because I could always get uh, not only like pens and pencils you couldn't find at you know an office supply store or the grocery store or wherever you could accidentally run into something, but like I could get the um, scratch and stiff snick- stickers and all kinds of weird yeah. things that teachers would use. I would just load up on all that junk that I didn't need and. Apparently, I still kind of do that today. <laughs> so did you, as you were you're getting older and going through school and things like that, did you keep using, you know, all these these pens and pencils you were growing up with and that continued to be a thing? Was there ever, ever any uh, kind of drop off where ah, I don't really care what I'm writing with or did it just kind of stick with you? I mean, not really even. I, I Even in like high school, I never really used mechanical pencils at all. Um, didn't really even use pens. And I, I don't know. I don't even know exactly why it stuck with me because that was before I even realized that it was like a thing that I did. Um, and I'd sharpened my pencils before school and I'd bring them to school sharpened with the intention of not having to sharpen them all day. It was just kind of like a... a a really important ritual um, in my mornings. But um, in college, too, I went to college in London. So I traveled a lot. I basically just got a degree in traveling. Um, I didn't <laughs> go to school that much. Um, and I that that's when I really started to discover all these like different brands from different places that I'd never seen before. And that's when I kind of realized, okay, like this is this is the thing that I'm interested in. That is okay. I didn't realize that. So that's, that's pretty cool. So getting, you know, that travel bug early and discovering those things that you can't get at home. I think that's a a pretty awesome way to kind of say, Hey, there's more stuff out there. Like it took me a while to figure out there was more stuff out there because I didn't travel. And I think that makes sense to, to see what other countries and cultures and, and, and people have to offer. And then when you graduated, you said, I'm going to open a pencil store. Is that is that is that the line that this took? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea first came about when I was in college um, and it was just sort of a joke um, that if I could just like make up what my job would be, it would be this that I would be sitting in a pencil store talking about pencils all day. Um, it was truly like a joke or an idea for like a retirement job. Hmm. Um, I thought that would be nice to be an old lady in a very tiny pencil shop. Um yeah, it was it was just like a really silly fantasy for a really right. long time. We're this is I think this is what we want to dig into. I wanna I got some questions about this. So Mike, before 
I go off the rails completely. Why don't you let everyone know about our first sponsor, and that's our good friends at Harry's. For decades, big razor companies have been increasing prices at the expense of their customers. So Jeff and Andy decided that they wanted to create Harry's to stop this trend. And as Brad mentioned, they are supporting this week's show. Jeff and Andy knew that there was only one way to ensure quality and keep their prices low, so they bought their own blade factory. So by taking less profit and selling directly over the internet, Harry's offers their blades at half of the prices that you're used to. With Harry's, you'll pay just $2 a blade compared to the $4 or more that you'll be paying at the drugstore. Now, before we finish this week's episode, we're going to talk very briefly about the fact that next week, me and Brad will be together for the Atlanta Pen Show. So I am already preparing myself for the entire bathroom full of harry's products <laughs> is that right brister brad Nowdy? well i'm having a problem at the house now i'm uh-huh. finding my razors and blades in various bathrooms at various <laughs> times so i'm gonna have to go on a recon mission and recollect and make sure i have everything i need for next week's uh travel to the atlanta pen show you you would not look as beautiful if you did not have i would not harry's products right you need them Without question. It's very important. Harry's is so confident that you will love their blades, so they want to give you their trial set for free. You just need to cover $3 for shipping. The free trial set that Harry's offers includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, their rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. This is a value of $13 for you to try out for free. Now, look, stop messing around, all right? If you haven't, got started with Harry's, go today and claim your free trial offer. Just go to harrys.com slash panaddict right now to get started. All you need to do is cover that small shipping cost. Thank you so much to Harry's for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Caroline, you're in college or close to wrapping up college or just right after, and you're having that kind of dream scenario just playing around in your head. If I could do anything in the world, this is what I want to do. And then... The difference with you is you made that a thing. So when did you say, I actually might can pull this off? I can, I might can be that lady in the pencil store today, not in retirement, you know, not, you know, down the line, you know, I don't need to go into the corporate world or wherever, you know, I'm supposed to do, I'm going to start a pencil shop. How did you get from those? How did you connect those dots? Um, yeah, it, I mean, it definitely didn't happen right away. I finished college and moved to New York, um, quite simply just because I love it here um, and wouldn't want to live anyplace else. But I, I graduated with an art degree, so mm-hmm. um, it probably goes without saying that it's not that easy to find a job when you have an art degree. Um, Especially in so New York, I, right? I assume. Yeah. 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 It's very hard. And I was pretty naive. Well, I think like most recent grads, I was pretty naive about what the real world was going to be like. So I I moved here um, because I love New York and had a hard time finding a job. And I finally found a job and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I really honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. And this job was really awful. I I had a really bad first winter in New York. I was in this job that I hated. And I also somehow got Lyme disease in living in Manhattan in like January without even like leaving. I didn't even leave wow. the city. I don't know where that would have happened. But <laughs> anyway, I got Lyme disease. I had like this really weird w- winter and um, truly just like, I-, I just kind of woke up one day and thought like, okay, like this, 
all these like bad experiences I've had since I first moved to New York are some sort of sign that I need to make a big change in my life. And I just decided to do it. And I started crunching some numbers and thought like, okay, like I, I can, I can make this work if I start it online first. I, um, so I made like modest plans for that. And then I figured like, okay, maybe in like a year or so I can open a regular shop and then maybe I can afford to hire some employees after a couple more years. And, um, yeah, I was trying to be like very practical about it. And, um, yeah, and I did it. I spent the whole summer buying inventory and getting in touch with pencil factories and um, vendors and getting everything organized. And I did I photographed other things for the website. I kind of just did it all myself because I, well, I couldn't afford to hire people to do it for mm-hmm. me. And um, I'm kind of stubborn and like to do those things on my own anyway. <laughs> um, and then it just happened. I happened upon a space in the Lower East Side here in New York City that was tiny. It just kind of felt right. And it was like shockingly inexpensive for Manhattan real estate. And I think I wasn't planning on opening a physical store so quickly, but I think finding the space, it just felt so right. I couldn't, I couldn't have said no. Yeah. So when you started, when you were starting to collect inventory and start the online store, we, did you still have your day job at that time or did you just like up and quit and just put yourself into it? Or did you just kind of, kind of work it work kind of both things, getting it ready? I had quit already. I really nice. like, just went for it. It was very risky in retrospect. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like twenty. <laughs> I was like twenty three. So I guess that probably that, helps. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that there was just like, okay, we are done with this, and now we're all in. But that's you know, kind of. And I I don't want to ruin the story that we'll get to later. You mentioned this in the book that that uh, um, you know you just kind of made the jump and went for, went for it. Um, how many people told you you were insane or this is a terrible idea or, you know, you can't do this or any of those things that, you know, uh, a 23 year old starting their first business doesn't want to hear who has an idea and a dream and everyone's, you know, shooting you down. Did that, that uh, happen a lot? Oh yeah. Pretty much everyone told me that. Um, even my own mother, um, no, yeah, I don't know that, but, but, and I don't know, nobody really like straight up told me like, you're crazy, you shouldn't be doing this. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, my family, my friends, they were all supportive, but I could definitely sense hesitation. Um, yeah, they were all definitely very nervous for me. And only after it became a success did they admit this to me. So I'm grateful <laughs> that they didn't try to crush my dreams at the time. Um, yeah, but... It was pretty scary. I don't know. I think that might be one of my personality flaws is that when I have an idea in my mind, there's like no, there's no other way than just to just do it and do it really fast and just like do it a hundred percent. And it's, it's been problematic, but in this case, I think it worked to my advantage. Yeah. I think, I think in this case it's, it's pretty good. It was, uh, it was a good move. So your online store, you, you started that, were you just running that essentially out of your apartment and, you know, this inventory in the, in the closet, how did all that work? Yeah, like really actually in the closet. Stacks and stacks and stacks of boxes. My whole apartment was just full of pencils. It started to smell like pencils too, which was really nice. But um, yeah, it was just in in my apartment, just packing up orders on my dining table. When did that start? Like what what was the date that it started? Not the exact date, but just in general. That would have been fall of 2015. Okay. So yeah. Gosh, it's amazing how fast this has gone fall of 2014 no i'm wrong okay. it would have been yeah. fall of 2014 yeah so that's when the, the online store got up got running so how did you 
when you pressed go, how did you get those first orders? You know, did you have any kind of plan? Did you have, you know, just a wish and a prayer on, you know, hey, come buy a pencil from me? Or or did you have any, any plan as far as, you know, getting getting the site out there and things like that? Yeah, well, well, I guess this is probably the worst part of this story is that I had no plan. I didn't know what on earth I was doing. Um, I also didn't want to put any money into advertising or anything like that. I didn't know how all this stuff about like um, SEO and like how to like make your website visible. I and mm-hmm. the and I was also afraid. I was afraid to tell anybody that I was doing this because I again thought that they would like think I was crazy. Because it's one thing like telling people an idea, and then it's another thing telling them a th- about a thing that's like an actual real thing. I thought maybe that I because I'm giving them an actual thing to be critical of. I was just afraid. Um, so I didn't really tell anyone. I like told my mom and my friends and let it go for like a week and i had a few orders from like random people who just found (laughs) it who i think were searching very specific things that are hard to find Mm -hmm. and so that helps and then um yeah and then i think it wasn't an it was when the when the erasable podcast caught wind of it that Mm -hmm. um it really like became a thing and i started getting a ton of orders yeah, got the got the big push from uh from the podcast and funny funny thing that internet how word travels, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. From then on I was just busy all the time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like how soon did you know that okay, I think I have something here. I'm not quite sure yet, but I think I've got something. Um, I think it was pretty soon. It was like within like yeah. a month or two that I thought like, okay, like maybe this is a real thing now. Um, <laughs> I still wasn't sure. I still wasn't like making enough money doing it to feel like totally secure signing a lease and mm-hmm. opening a real store. But um, I also didn't have, I mean, I didn't have much to lose because I was so young and I didn't have any like real responsibilities. So I thought it's okay if I like something goes south and I bankrupt myself and I'm left here with no pencil shot because at least I would have tried. So I think that was very much my attitude Yeah. Um, that I'm just going to like try to be very careful, try to be as responsible as I can be and try to like put as much heart into it as I could. And if it didn't work out, then it didn't work out. So I just, yeah, from, from that on, I just kind of like decided like, okay, I'm in this now. I better just keep going. So one of the things you're known for to this day is how great of a, I don't know if curator is the right term, but you always you you definitely pay attention to the trends. You know what's popular. You know how to you know suss out quality over junk. And what were the very first things that you brought to the market? Like when the shop opened the first time, what were like a handful of the things that you were putting your reputation on the line at right from the gate? Yeah, well, I I mean, I, I already had favorite brands. There were a couple of brands that I knew weren't being sold in the U.S. Um, that I really wanted to bring in. Um, like, Viarco is one of them. They're in Portugal, mm-hmm. and they make really, really beautiful, really just, like, perfectly nostalgic things um, and a lot of really innovative things. And I thought that was an important thing to include. Um, the other, I guess... The other brand that I wanted to bring in that I thought was really important to have was um, Natraj or Apsara. They're like both part of Hindustan Pencils and they're in India and they 
manufacture 8 million pencils a day. It's a humongous company. And if you're in like Southeast Asia, chances are like 99% of the pencils you're using come from this (laughs) one humongous pencil conglomerate. And they weren't selling pencils in the US either. And their pencils are very, very good. And their pencils are very cheap. And they have some really interesting ones. Like these, one of our best sellers is a pencil that is just a normal HP pencil made out of Indian poplar and the paint finish, it's marbled. And each pencil is individually marbled. So they're all different. And this pencil's 50 cents. It's really cheap. Um, Anyway, yeah, this brand was really important to me because the one thing that I wanted to make sure I got across was that I wasn't trying to like, I wasn't trying to elevate the pencil and make it this like precious object. It was important Mm -hmm. to me that I have like nice pencils, like the nicest ones that money can buy. And also like, Great examples of unknown pencils that are really inexpensive, have interesting stories, are um, very like highly functional. Um, and so that I think that was an important brand to me because that kind of provided a bit of contrast. Um, and I think that also like helped me establish like my shop as like truly like a pencil lover's paradise in that. I mean, from the perspective that there, like, there is some, like, something for everyone, and there is sort of a little bit of everything. So, what did um, I guess in the beginning, did did you have that thought in the back of your head when you're reaching out to these companies on, in the big picture, how I want CW pencils to be seen as you know this type of store? I mean, did you did you set off on this path that you were just talking about right from the beginning? Yeah, I I yeah. realized from the beginning, especially because I'm in New York City, and mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of really niche businesses here, and there's a really big difference between um, a specialty shop that sells something, and you can tell that the, all the people who work there are experts. That like there's a lot of care put into like every object that's sold, and um, that the people who work there are just like genuinely interested in sharing these things. And then there's mm-hmm. and then there's a type of specialty store where somebody sees that something is popular, they do a lot of research, find all the things, and they open a shop just like sh- strictly to capitalize on something that's popular. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think there are more of those than there are like really like truly honest specialty shops left. Um, it's, it's, well, at least like in the like physical form. So, um, and it was, yeah, I, I mean, I knew first of all that I was not going to open this store like in a trendy neighborhood in Brooklyn because mm. then of course people are going to stereotype it and make it out to be like this, like quote unquote, like hipster thing. And that's right. not what I wanted. That's not what it is. Um, yeah, I've been like, yeah, I guess like fighting for my credibility since the start of this. <laughs> well, there's no doubt you you have it in spades. That's for sure. So, how what did these um, what did these companies like uh, uh, Viarco and Nataraj think when you you first emailed them and said, "Hey, I'm opening up a big pencil store in the U.S. Will you sell things to me?" Um, they were really confused, <laughs> most of them. Well, some there were some who were like, oh, that's awesome. Like, here, here's our line sheet. Like, order whatever you want. But, mm-hmm. um, and then there were others who I had to, like, bother for a really long time. Like, Hindustan was one of them, especially because they're such a big company. They sell in, like, humongous volume. Um, and, of course, the numbers that I was looking for, they just kind of laughed at me. But they really didn't get it. It took me, like, eight it took me like a good eight months to like really convince them that my business was legitimate. Um, But yeah, there there was a lot of confusion, but when you're, when like, I mean, these companies are in there to, um, 
are in there to are in here to make money. So like they, yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to drop in there, and I don't know that there's a good point to bring it in, and I don't know the right way to word the question, but was there any concern about the price point of a pencil? Because that's it's a it's a feature from a consumer's perspective, but from a business person's perspective, you you know, like some of the pencils are 50 cents. Like, do you concern yourself with those things? Like in the beginning, I know now it's kind of maybe a, a different type of setup, but you know, like your margins may be the same as everyone else's margins, but they're on a $1 item. Did Was that any kind of concern in the beginning? Oh yeah, absolutely. Every, every which way I like tried to figure the numbers um, that was always the main problem was that the things I was selling were just too inexpensive. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. we have things in our store that are 25 cents. I right. don't know, really know of anywhere else where you can even buy something for 25 cents anymore. But, mm-hmm. um, that's why from the beginning, I knew it was important to bring in some more expensive things like sharpeners that cost a couple hundred dollars or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, accessories, notebooks, um, that sort of thing, or that I was just going to have to sell very high volume. Right. Um, and eventually that became the case. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, and I think that's the thing too, is that a lot of people come in because they're not intimidated because things are not expensive and, Mm -hmm. um, they can come in and pick out like 20 pencils and depending on what you pick, like your bill still might be less than $10. And that's, I think that's really appealing to a lot of our customers. And I think like, yeah, we rarely have anyone come in and just buy like one pencil. Right. Um, and I think that that's definitely the beauty of it, right? I mean, you can find an amazing writing instrument for so cheap. You just got to, you know, be go to CW Pencils or be at least, you know, a little bit aware of, of what you're purchasing and um, things like that. And you'll all of a sudden have this whole different writing experience, which is yeah. what makes pencils and pens so wonderful. So let's let's get to like the physical store itself. So you... How long did it take, I guess? You said you found the shop a little bit probably ahead of schedule and knew you just had, had to have it. So what was that time frame? Was it in the within the first year of your online store that you had the shop or a little bit after that? Oh yeah, it was it was much it was very quick actually. <laughs> um it was I guess March of twenty fifteen. Oh wow. That the physical shop opened. So it all happened very quickly. It didn't yeah. feel fast at the time. It felt okay at the time, but yeah. Um yeah, it took about a month to get the shop set up. Um yeah, I hired a contractor to help me with the things I definitely couldn't do myself, but every little thing that I could do myself I did. Um and yeah, I, the problem it was really crazy, but the problem was that I had ordered, I had found this guy on Etsy to make all the furniture for the shop for me because I had a very specific vision of what I thought the furniture would be like. And mm. so I found this guy to make the furniture and um, the last thing was the furniture to arrive. So I still had like the wall set up with all the jars of pencils like labeled and ready to go. And I just sat in there for like weeks, like just <laughs> with a folding table and a few chairs waiting for this furniture to arrive. And then it did. And then the next morning we opened. Oh, wow. How did, how did that initial opening go? Um, I kind of treated it the same as I treated the website. I didn't, I was kind of scared to tell anyone. Um, (laughs) so I just didn't, I just like opened the doors and that was that. Um, and people came, people who were just walking by, um, every day there would be like maybe one more person who was like, Oh, my friend told me about this and that's why I'm here. 
Um, and I had I had planned that like maybe in a like I'd given myself like three months. I thought like okay, three months, nothing happens. Then maybe I'll start like thinking about a budget for marketing. Mm. Um, but I got really lucky because within a couple of weeks, um, Gothamist, which is like a website about things in New York, did an article about the shop, and then. Um, just about, I guess, like a month after that, the New York Times showed up and the rest is history. It was just a snowball effect from there. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how long was it from when you opened till you said, I need some help in here? Let's get, let's get these pencil ladies hired who are awesome. <laughs> I just want to say Caitlin and Alex, who I talk to frequently and who else, who else do you have working there for you now? I want to get we them all a shout out. Meredith too. Meredith. Gotcha. Yeah. Meredith does like all of, well, all of our she's like, done recent... some of the artwork recently. Yes, she yeah. does. Like the stickers, she did the pins for us. Anything that re- requires anything like creative, that's Meredith's thing. Mm. She's an illustrator and she's very talented. Um, but yeah, the, the, I guess. Well, oh, actually, Caitlin's two-year shop anniversary is coming up in like wow. five days. Wow. We just looked up the other day. We looked up the <laughs> um, the email that she sent me. Um, and this was in April, so this would have been like a little less than three months or a little less than one month after the shop opened. And this Gothamist article had just been posted and um, she was in the shop shopping coincidentally on the last day of her old job. Hmm. Um, she had just quit her job. She was in the shop shopping because somebody told her about it. And I was she overheard me telling somebody that I was starting to get really busy and I was going to need to think about hiring someone. And then she emailed me the next day and admitted to eavesdropping and was just like really funny about it. And um, <laughs> that pretty I, much sounds I, like her. <laughs> yeah. And then she came in the next day and we talked and she started a few days later. Um, and I, yeah, I just hired her on the spot. I really needed the help. And I was like, All right, this girl seems normal. She seems smart. We're good to go. <laughs> on her second anniversary, does she get a free foil stamp pencil? Does she get to like go say, you know, make her own fancy pencil? Oh, I should like do one. I should do like a silly shop anniversary pencil for her. Yeah. <laughs> so you have some neat things in the shop like that, right? I mean, people can foil stamp their own pencils, right? Yeah, yeah, we have a Kingsley machine from the 1960s that we used to hot foil stamp pencils. That's actually Alex's job now. She's officially in charge of custom pencils. So she does all of that. Um, she coordinates all of that with customers and companies who place big orders, and um, she's the expert. Um, but it's cool. It's, it has The machine has to be like 300 degrees, and we hand set all the type. And the, the machine itself is a really amazing object. We used to keep it in the shop just because it looks really cool, and people loved seeing that whole process happen. But it started to become a problem because we were just like stamping pencils all day long because people <laughs> would come in and be like, ooh, what's that? Like, can you do one with like – this name and this name and this name. And then we were just going and going and going. And so we had to move it down the street to the office. Yeah. So paint a picture real quick for those of us like myself who have not been there. Uh, unlike Mike, who has had the the privilege of uh, being at your store. It's uh, what's what are the dimensions like? Because I know it's uh, pretty small and I imagine a foil stamping machine in there not only is large, but warm. Yes, definitely a safety hazard. Um, <laughs> but the, the shop is 200 square feet. It's mm-hmm. very small. It's um, slightly above street level. So you have to walk up three steps to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a huge, the whole front of the store is just one big window that looks out onto a park that has a big soccer field. Um, we're on a very quiet street, like quiet enough that in the summertime there are actually like kids playing in the street. It's kind of amazing. Oh, um, wow. And yeah, in the shop we have a desk in the back and 
um, a little desk in the front where we keep all the pencils that we sell in the drawer so you can sit down and test them all and we can make recommendations. Um, and there's a case that's like, it's, I bought one of those like lo- those bulletin boards that you have in schools that has like a glass cover and you can lock mm. it and I fill it yeah. with cork and I, I pin um, all the vintage pencils in there. Um, and then we have a wall, which is like, the thing that I think everyone's seen a picture of where it's just like mm-hmm. shelves with tiny jars of pencils all labeled, um, all alphabetical by brand um, with like stacks of boxes on the top. Do you still get, I, I imagine on a daily, if not weekly basis, do you get people stumbling in that didn't didn't know anything about pencils or say, you know, oh my God, there's a pencil shop. What is going on here? Yeah, we we still get that maybe like once a day. Yeah. Every other day, people who are, are really surprised. Um, yeah, and we get a lot of people who come in and they're like, they're, they'll be like, oh, like I was just talking about this and like I really can't believe that this is real. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's where the shop is is a really sh- kind of odd location. It's kind of between a lot of different neighborhoods, but it's not really in its own neighborhood. It's like on the cusp of Chinatown and the Lower East Side and Nolita and go like a few blocks north and you're in the east village it's it's a really confusing location and (laughs) i think and that that's what i love about it is that like i I liked i like the idea that it's a place that you kind of just have to discover nobody unless you're nobody like really walks well people do all the time that's how they find us but like nobody Mm -hmm. walks down my street like expecting to find something like that and i i love that like element of surprise when people are like why is this here like that's so strange that this thing is on this street um yeah so i want to i want to change the change the course a little bit and talk about a couple of things you've done just as a whole as the shop like when you started i thought it was a very cool thing you did a pencil of the month club and that went really really well and i, I know you enjoyed putting that together and then that stopped and i'm sure you got some interesting emails about that and recently i guess this year, you started up a new type of subscription. You're doing a quarterly subscription, pencil subscription, where you're kind of putting together an entire set, sometimes, I guess, around a theme. So tell us how like the pencil of the month worked, why it went away, and then kind of, I think, what it's morphed into now. Yeah, um, pencil of the month was... Um, I think something I was, I, I don't know, it was something that I'd wanted to do from the beginning. It was something that I thought was really important to do. And it was a subscription where um, every single month at the beginning of the month, we'd send you like a little box and inside the box, there would be an insert with information about the pencil that was in the box. And then there would be a pencil that was always a pencil that we did not already sell. That was mm-hmm. important that it was something that would be like totally new for most of the people who shop with us. Um, and it was fun. There was a lot of packaging involved because we'd like wrap the pencils in tissue paper and we'd like pick out a different washi tape each month and a different colored box and different twine. And um, it was a, it was very tedious. Um, yeah. And then I made the mistake of talking about it in a couple of magazines. <laughs> and then like out of nowhere, we were like we looked at our numbers and we had like over 800 subscribers oh my um which is a lot for a tiny shop at the time like caitlin was i don't even know if caitlin was well yeah caitlin would have just become full-time and we had like two people who worked a couple days a week and it was it was it just became to be too much like we couldn't do that i needed to hire somebody to do that like full-time to keep up with it 
Um, and so we made the really hard decision to kind of just like stop it and just phase everybody out. Um, Mm. and we got a lot of emails about it. A lot of emails. (laughs) People were very mad at me for this, but, um, I told them all like, we will do this someday in the future. I cannot tell you when, but it will happen again in a different format, but we just like cannot do this anymore without going crazy. Um, there was one day like December, the first year when the, when we first started having like crazy numbers and the pencils didn't show up on the day that we needed to do it Mm. on a Monday when the shop was closed, the, the pencils weren't here and like nothing was happening. Right. And we were in the shop just like surrounded by boxes and like it was, it was a nightmare. It was horrible. We were there until like 2 a.m fulfilling pencil of the month <laughs> subscriptions and at one point one of the girls was like wait is that jonah hill and we all looked up and jonah hill was standing at the bottom of our stoop just like watching us <laughs> in the shop just like surrounded by bubble mailers at like probably like midnight it was it was bad but one day um, that is gonna find its way into a movie right like yeah. just this scene of like three or four ladies putting individual pencils into envelopes Right, yep. like that's gonna appear one day. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah, totally. um, but yeah, that that's was kind amazing. of like a really, a really terrible moment. That was around the time when we were like, we cannot do this anymore. Was part of the problem that is because it was a single pencil? Um, I don't know. People liked that it was a single pencil. Right. Um, that it was just like very simple, but. I don't know. For us, because it was a single pencil, we felt like we had to overcompensate by like making, but in by like making it feel like really extra special. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. And it also was hard for me to find pencils every month. It was a lot of work to like come up with something interesting and relevant and exciting, like stuff that people would actually want. We had to be careful that we weren't like repeating brands all the time, that we weren't repeating like types. Um. So it, it required a lot of organization. Um. And so just recently in March, we shipped our first box. We started doing a quarterly subscription called the Pencil Box. And um, each box is themed like most subscription boxes are. And um, we include like a few pencils, a couple accessories, like maybe like a like wild card kind of novelty thing. And the first box was called the Classics Box. Um, which you guys talked about. So a lot of you mm-hmm. probably already know what it's about. The next box is so much fun. I just just finished buying everything today, actually, yes. and I'm very excited about it. They, they're just going to keep getting better, I can promise. Oh, but, I can't um, wait. Yeah, but it's been a lot of fun, and it's a lot easier, and it gives us more time to like really think about the things we're putting into it. And we've cut back on the packaging a lot this time, like with the it's not as tedious of a process. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, like we decided this time we were actually going to like make a, like, I guess like make a limit and we sold out like in a week with the first round and we're slowly like introducing more as we feel more comfortable with it. But we're definitely doing it so that we have a little bit more control this time around. Yeah. So one thing you mentioned this a couple of times and the, you know, I don't want to say tedious, but you, you use the word and I know you like really care about the aesthetic of the package and just like the joy someone on the other end is going to receive when they get this box in the mail and the yellow envelope and the, the black and white twine. So tell us, tell me something about that, how that came about and like how important is that to you specifically as part of just the entire experience? I think that's really, really crucial. That's like one of the most important things to me is, um, is the packaging because I I think that we sell really special things and I want people to feel like they are receiving something that is cared about and something that is really special, even if it is a 25 cent pencil. And 
um, wrapping it in an envelope and tying it up with twine, like those like very small extra steps that really don't cost us a ton of extra money or time, um, I think just make a really big difference. We hand write the notes that go into our online orders. And we, we get so many emails every week from people who are like, wow, I can tell that an actual human packed my order. And um, people get really excited about it. People in the shop, when they don't realize that we go through all this extra effort, just think it's mm. like the coolest thing. But It um, is super cool. I set the bar pretty high for us, though, which may have been a bad <laughs> idea because now there are a lot of expectations. Um, you definitely but, did. You definitely yeah. did. And I will hold you to that. You set the bar very high. <laughs> but that's why we love you and the CW Pencils Enterprises so much because we know. like, That's why your subscription sells out in like a minute because uh-huh. we know what's going into it. And it's not the products. It's the people behind it. And our faith is in you and your staff. And that's part of it, you know, like we get it, you know, and uh, I think a lot of your customers feel the same way. So now we have a lot more to get to. We have a book to talk about. I want to know about some of your personal likes and dislikes and pencils, but now I'm going to ask you the hardest question um, of this, uh, this hard hitting <laughs> interview. Um, what's next for the shop? What's the future hold? Is there a second shop is there more you know online presence bigger and better what's what's the future holding right now for cw pencils that is quite the question mm-hmm. um i i i'm hoping that in at least in the next like couple of years i want to start doing more of our own products we've mm-hmm. done a couple of collaborations now we've started designing products and having other people manufacture them which is really mm-hmm. really exciting um that's for me personally in my role in this business that's the thing that i'm most interested in um caitlin's doing a lot of work to um expand and improve our online presence um yeah we're always we've been making a lot of like small web improvements lately um i don't think we're gonna open another store anytime soon Mm -hmm. um i'm really scared of that to be honest um Mm -hmm, running mm -hmm. one store is a lot of work especially with like the level of integrity that i expect and Um, I just think it would be really, really hard to replicate. I get, I get offers to franchise this place all the time and I (laughs) like just can't, I just can't, I'm not ready for that. Maybe someday I'll open another shop. I'd have to be careful about where I put it. Um, because I think this type of shop, I mean, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be selling high enough volume to be able to sustain it in a lot, in most places. I'd have to be Mm -hmm. very strategic about where I put it, but, um, maybe one day, but not now, definitely not now. Um, I'm really happy with my one tiny shop and maybe by only having one of them, that just makes it extra special. Um, yeah, but yeah, we're looking forward to lots of new products. We have a lot of ideas, so many ideas, but, um, I don't know. It's, all of this happened so fast. Within two years, everything that I could have ever dreamed about for like 10 years of this business already happened, just kind of like <laughs> organically. So I feel like I'm only just now catching my breath. Um, I only just now feel like I can take a weekend off and not feel guilty about it. So I think we're just going to like chill out for like the next six months and then maybe start like rolling out some new products. That's yeah. my that's what I hope for. I like it. I like it. I think that's perfect. And yeah, it has gone by so fast. Yeah, I'm sure you're just still like running every day. And, you know, hopefully that doesn't stop anytime soon. And I don't see any reason why it would. And uh, yeah. adding anything else into the mix would just add to the craziness. You know, I think y'all are doing just awesome. Thank All right. You. So, Mike, let's talk about one of our good friends at Penn Chalet. Then I have a lot more I want to get into about uh, some of these products that they're making and a little book that Caroline wrote. 
So we're speaking way too much about pencils today, for mm-hmm. my liking. Mm-hmm. So I'm here to balance the table <laughs> a little bit. Uh, talk about Pen Chalet. They sell all of your favorite brands. They have Lamy Pilot, Namiki, Sailor Kaveco, and so many more. They have fast and reliable customer service. They do free shipping on orders of over $50 in the U.S., and they sell internationally with very reasonable shipping rates. In fact, I had a package show up today from Pen Chalet, which I had shipped over Brad, and it includes my uh, Lamy Safari Petrol Limited Edition which I'm using today to run nice, my show nice. out for the show, so I was very happy about that. Pen Chalet has low prices on high-quality pens and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You want to go to penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click the podcast link at the top of the website. When you enter the password pen addict there, you'll get... Ten, the code that you need to save 10% on anything at Pen Chalet, along with some special offers this week. And I say offers, Ron has gone all out this week. So Yes, he has. One thing is that he's going to extend the 40% off on the Monteverde 36 pen zipper case <laughs> because we sold out of those super quick. So uh, we have some more of those. So if you're looking for some pen zipper cases, maybe do you want to see if, you, if you're traveling to any pen shows, uh, hint, hint, and you want to get one in real quick, that's a great thing to get. Plus, we have 50% off the Conklin Mark Twain fountain pen in either the black or limited edition demonstrator. And there is, a set, there is an extra offer this week, which I'm not allowed to talk about at all. I can't say what really? the pen is or what the price is, but there is one. <laughs> Okay, so this is the one I wanted to talk about, and you don't tell me this before the ad read, because that's the rules of Mm -hmm. this ad read, right? You don't tell Brad what's in it until Brad goes in it, but then you don't tell me the part where Brad can't say about the one pin that Brad really loves in this this ad. So, I guess now people have to go see what it is. Yeah, they can't say, uh, Mm. I am looking at it right now, and it is an insane deal. Like, it's It's an insane deal. I do not own this pen. I have reviewed this pen, so there's there's a hint for for you. But uh, you'll know real quick once you head over to Pen Chalet and uh, use the code Pen Addict. And I know everyone was looking for that Monteverdi pen case because they sold out of them so fast last time we advertised it. So uh, it is back and available again. Yep. So go check it out. Like you want to see, you want to go take a look. You just want to go take a look. You got to. So penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com and click the podcast link, put in the password pen addict and you'll get those offers. Penchalet are also running a national stationary week slash world stationary day giveaway. Um, I'm going to put uh, a link in the show notes to all of the info about their discounts and giveaways uh, there. So thank you so much to Penchalet for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So Caroline, Mike just mentioned it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump this in ahead of the book. Mike just got a Lamy Safari, and I know you just bought a Lamy Safari as well. So tell us uh, why you went and cheated on your pencil friends. I don't think it's cheating. I, <laughs> I agree. I agree. That. I have other pens. I really like Caran Dash um, eight forty nine ballpoint pens. I have a lot yes. of those. Yes. And I use a lot of Muji pens. Um, those are pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never owned a fountain pen before and I have been thinking, I've been thinking about buying one for a really long time. And, um, Greg, who's our sales rep for Karen Dash always, is always showing us like the, the new ones when he's got them in his bag, when he comes to visit us. And, um, I always, and I, they're so beautiful and I always think like, okay, like that's the one that I want. But then I realize like a $600 pen <laughs> is probably not an ideal starter fountain pen, mm-hmm. um, even at wholesale price. Um, so 
I decided to um, I decided to try a pen that is actually a suitable starter pen, and I remember I remembered um, I remembered something about something on Twitter about you, Brad, talking about. Mm-hmm. The Lamy Safari versus the what's the other one? The um, AL Star. It's an yes. aluminum barrel. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went on jetpens.com and mm-hmm. looked them up, and there was one that was like pencil yellow with a with yep. a mm-hmm. fine nib, which is something that I knew I wanted. That was a requirement, and so I bought it. And I'll admit that I keep forgetting that I have it, so I haven't really <laughs> used it that much. Um, I have a little desk in my living room that I use um, strictly for writing letters, and it's 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 there. Sometimes I use it when I'm writing on paper or some sort of like greeting card that doesn't take pencil very well, but I'm really enjoying it. And I think like, I think this will not be the last fountain pen. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. That was the Safari was kind of my first fountain pen and I did almost exactly like you did. I bought it and then I used it for a second and then I kind of really didn't use it, but it was around. And then like over the next few months, I would pick it up more and more then all of a sudden it became it, something clicked and it just became a thing. And, and then now, you know, I'm, I'm buying from the Quran dash magic briefcase uh, <laughs> too frequently, <laughs> if you will. So uh, yeah, that's cool. I think you did good on the safari and you can't beat that yellow Thank color. You. That's one of the all time. That's one of their um, most historic colors that they, that they run through that line. So it's been around for decades and decades. So really, really cool. All right, so if all our, of our listeners haven't understood how busy Caroline has been for these past two or three years, she decided to one-up all of us and write a book because she didn't apparently didn't have anything else going on. So she said, I'm going to write a book, and it's called The Pencil Perfect, and I got my copy in, and let me uh, read the inscription because I... I did ask Caroline to inscribe. It says, for Brad, we all know the pencil is superior to the pen. And I can't <laughs> argue with that. So um, thank you for doing that. And I did get a, uh, I did get an, early, an advanced look at the book. And I want to say, I, I was, number one, I was super pumped for this book. Number two, when I started reading it, I don't know what it is about. It's, I guess it's a combination of your style and the information suiting me. It was like I was reading the most intense suspense thriller that I didn't want to put down. Like when you were telling the <laughs> stories through the book, I wanted to know the next chapter. I was like, I have to go to bed. I have to stop reading. So tell us how this book came about and why I love it so much. <laughs> I don't know that I can tell you why you love it so much, but I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah, um, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of tripping me out. I was like, I have to stop because I have to sleep at some point and I'm sad. <laughs> Wow, I didn't know it was that riveting. Um, yeah. That's so good to hear. Um, yeah, so this this book um, kind of came out of nowhere, and it was not really something that I decided to do. Um, it's something that I had talked about doing, like, someday. I didn't think I was, like, qualified enough necessarily to do it now. Um, but I was – the publisher, um, Gestalt and their German art book publisher, they contacted me about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would have been around this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the blue, they got in touch. And I had been in one of their books before. They had this other book that's a beautiful, like, very giant coffee table book called The Shopkeepers. And it's about shops all over the world, um, mostly that are like very like designy shops, and it's like profiles on the people who run them. And so I was in that oh. book, and they, um, and they, I think they had heard me on like 
BBC radio or something. And they got in touch and they were like, Hey, we keep hearing about this. Like, would you be interested in doing a book with us? And we did a couple of like conference calls and got to talking about it and eventually came up with an outline that everybody agreed on. And it was an interesting project because it was their first text-based book. Most of their books are image-based. And so Hmm. of course there was always going to be some sort of visual element. So they picked an illustrator to illustrate the whole thing. Um, and graphite, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But it was mainly going to be a text-based book. And so, um, yeah, it was... It, it all Again, it just all kind of happened so quickly. I didn't have much time to even, like, think about what I was doing or what the, like, how writing a book in three months would affect my day-to-day life. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I was really in for a surprise, that's for sure. Um, but it was... They made it very easy for me. I, I had a really solid outline, and I did it, like, piece by piece. Every week I had different sections I worked on. Um, and I, I had to stay up very late most nights, um, working on this. And I, I did take an extra day off from the shop to work at home. Um, every Wednesday I worked from home. Um, and I'm grateful that at that period of time around like last summer, last fall, I had a lot of extra help. So I had a lot of support. Caitlin held the fort down over here while I was like losing my mind and very tired all the time. So I really (laughs) appreciated that. But, um, now it's a thing. It exists. It's in the world. I mean, Holy crap, I guess. <laughs> it's that awesome. And that three months is is insane with everything else you have going on. And I'm just really impressed with the information you shared. Like, I've learned so much. I think that's why I didn't want to put it down because I don't know this stuff, right? But I'm involved in it and getting all those background tidbits and a lot of the historical aspects of the pen and pencil uh, wow, that was a Freudian slip, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that it just—it's really hard for me to put down. It's—it's it's just so well done and wonderful, and everyone should should pick it up. So I think the the main question everyone wants to know: Did you write the draft in pencil? I did write the draft in pencil. What? Um, a lot of pencils, actually. I think it was <laughs> thirty thirty nine. Um, in the end, the end pages in the book, actually, it's the end page is an illustration of a bunch of like tiny pencil stubs lined up. And those are, those are the stubs of all the pencils that I used to write. No way. Okay. That is too cool. So it was, it was all written in pencil. It's interesting history though, isn't it? It's a lot of stuff that I feel like a lot of people don't know. And that's so much of my job is just telling stories all day. And so it was cool to be able to like organize those stories and, um, like, well, really very heavily fact check them all. First of all, that was a little bit challenging. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so fun to share those things because most people have no idea. Yeah. It's, it's true about, it correlates a lot with the pen industry and that time frame of the late 19th century, early 20th century, when inroads in America are starting to happen and there's a lot of infighting and theft and, you know, stealing of, you know, um, designs and lawsuits and things like that. It's it all happened at the same time, like in in the pen world. That um, a lot of these these goings on in the in the pencil world were happening too. So it it's really really cool. So um, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, I haven't finished it yet. I think I'm about halfway through, but um, it's enthralling. I love it, and I'm really glad to see something like this on the market from someone who cares so much about the the topic that they're discussing and uh i 
I hope it's doing well uh, for you. And I don't know if you have any insight or can share anything, but uh, I hope it's uh, I hope it's going well so far as far as sales go. Yeah, it's it's great. It's very surprising, actually. The day we had a party a couple of weeks ago um, mm-hmm. when we first got it, and that the day of, I realized because we had just made it available online that we were going to sell out, and I had to have the publisher like courier a oh, wow. hundred more books over to the shop in the middle of the day. <laughs> oh. um, it was a big disaster, but they got here in time. Nobody knew what was happening. It was fine, um, but it's doing very well. For some reason, it's not the it's not available on Amazon yet. Their pre order date is set for to ship in May. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure why, but um, yeah. But for now, I think in the U.S., we're the only people who have it, and it's been doing really, really well. I'm kind of surprised. There's been a lot of interest. Great, great. That's yeah, awesome. I just pre-ordered it on Amazon. <laughs> nice, perfect. I mean, nice, how, nice, how can nice. I not after that rave review from Brad? Right. I'm seriously. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't make stuff up. Like, I'm not pretending when I say this. It was like, I was literally sad the other night when I had to stop reading because at some point I had to go to bed. And I was like, oh, but but there's more. I was like, this is a good story. So I, I thoroughly and I thoroughly enjoy it. So there's there's my, uh, you can use that on your ne- next uh, book. You can use it as a quote. Uh, Brad Dowdy on The Pencil Perfect. Oh, I thir- yeah. I you thoroughly enjoyed my next, it. My next book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. The second edition will have like have you on the cover <laughs> with a with like a pin stabbing through my eyeball or something like that, you know, or pencil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, we'll do that. All right. So when you wrote this book, and this is going to kind of lead into like some of your your personal tastes and likes and dislikes. I didn't realize like I've I've been eyeballing the picture in the back of the book, and I had no idea the the story attached to it. Um, so what was your favorite pencil to use? in writing the book and what's your personal favorite pencil to use on a daily regular basis if those I don't know if those are the same thing because there is a difference which we're going to talk about between necessarily a favorite and what's perfect for a situation yeah definitely um I use a lot of different pencils when I wrote the book. I try to, well, I mean, because it depends on how fast I go through them. Um, I try to plan them according to what I was writing about. So if I was writing about Faber-Castell, I tried to write with like a Faber-Castell pencil or yeah, like a. if I was writing with, if when I wrote about black wings, I used a black wing. When I wrote about Japanese pencils, I used a Japanese novelty pencil. Um mm-hmm which made the process a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, also, side note, writing a book in pencil is great because you have to sharpen them all the time. It's like really good if you really need a distraction. You can just like sharpen all your pencils. It's really therapeutic. But um, yeah, I for writing the book like that, I was writing on paper that was kind of toothy. So um, anything super soft was a little bit problematic because I had to sharpen all the time, which is in some cases, if I was in a certain mood, that's kind of a good thing because I needed those like forced breaks. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of harder pencils, but I did end up using pencils that had good point retention because I needed it. Um, and a lot of like the Japanese ones in like an HB or an F, I ended up using a lot of Japanese pencils if I was using them just like purely for function. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the High Uni and HB is a good one because it looks it looks like a soft pencil and feels like a soft pencil, but has great point retention. Um, I used a couple of Fs even, and I, I don't use Fs ever. Mm. Um, but yeah, but the pencils that I used for the book were very different from the pencils that I choose in my personal life. Um, right. And I don't I don't even know that I have like a favorite. I have a couple that I gravitate towards most often if I'm not 
I mean, a lot of times I'm writing with something that's new just because I want to get to know it or with something that I haven't used for a while because I want to refamiliarize myself with it because I do need to know everything I can about these things. Um, but I use um, an Epsara Absolute a lot. That's one of my all-time favorites. It's made in India and it's very strong. You can drop it a million times and it won't break. Um, but it's also very dark and very smooth, very inexpensive. I love that one. Um, I love the camel pencils or like craft we saw one from craft design technology that's like a very pale mint green and i know you've talked about those before haven't you yeah i've talked about craft design as a brand but i didn't review that camel i I reviewed the just one of the regular camels with the with the right uh white eraser yeah yeah they're amazing they're a really great like simple pencil great eraser they're designed really well um if you're ever at the moma or in like a MoMA design store, the MoMA pencils are made by Camel. They're round. They're painted great colors. They're matte and they have a black eraser. They're really cool. Oh, um, cool. They sell them in a pack of six for like seven or eight dollars. Um, yeah, I love the craft design technology pencil or likewise the Toya pencils. Again, they're all the same. Um, and the, the I guess like in the past like four or five months, like the it pencil of our our shop like with amongst the pencil ladies has been the tombow mono 100 and an f grade Mm. um and it's a great pencil because japanese pencils run a little bit soft and so even in an f it it like writes like an hb pencil or even a b pencil and looks like it but the point retention is just unreal you never have to sharpen it's not very (laughs) smudgy that pencil itself is beautiful the tombow mono 100 has 10 billion particles per cubic millimeter in its graphite core. So they refine that graphite until it's basically like nothing. Um, And so it's really, really smooth. And the design is just like kind of flashy and amazing. But um, yeah, that's that's definitely a pencil lady favorite across the board. And what about a paper product to pair with some of these favorites? Oh, I'm ashamed to admit that I don't really have like a notebook that I use every day. I use Mm -hmm. whatever's around or whatever I'm using at work. Um, I use a planner a lot and I have a type, I have a planner that has, that's like half blank pages. So that kind of doubles as like my regular life, like everyday notebook, um, Mm -hmm. that's made by Smithson, um, in the UK. It has blue pages. They're very, very, it's very lightweight. It works well with any writing instrument. Um, but I really like Midori notebooks. Um, I have one that I use at home as my journal that I made at an event that they did here in New York where you get to like those spiral bound ones and you get to like make your own notebook. It was so fun. Um, I really like their paper because it's it's really smooth and it does well with with at least the pens that I use. I'm not a very advanced pen user, but Mm -hmm. um, it's not I really prefer smooth paper, but um, so much of so much of it is like a little bit too smooth for most pencils. So I think the majority paper is about as smooth as you can get. Yeah, we have a listener question about that. And which is a very good question. I want to I want to we'll dig into that in a little bit. Um, How about in the shop? Is there so you have these favorites, the pencil ladies have their favorites, but is there anything in the shop that people just gravitate to constantly and can't leave without? Definitely. Um, the well, there are different ones for different purposes. Um, mm-hmm. The well, black wings. We do sell a lot of black wings, um, mm-hmm. but we call that like the gateway pencil. That's the one mm-hmm. that gets people into fancy pencils, and then I think like after that, they kind of move on um, to things that are more specific to their taste once they start to refine their taste. Um, recently, one that's been like a real showstopper in the shop that's been selling really well is. 
um, a Mitsubishi pencil. That's one of those penmanship pencils that's meant for practicing calligraphy. And they have a very thick core and they're always very soft. But it's like a soft pencil that's meant for writing, not drawing, which is a bit Mm. unusual. And we have this one that is a 10B. And if you're familiar with the pencil grading scale, a 10B is basically impossible. At that point, you're just writing with straight graphite. And a pencil is made out of graphite and clay. The the grade depends on the ratio. And um, there are almost no 10Bs in the world. Mitsubishi is like the only company who makes like a true 10B. And this pencil is amazing. It's so buttery and it's it's mm. so strong too. It doesn't like crumble like you would expect it to. And they, they're expensive. They're painted gold. They cost $7.50 each. And they come in their own like flashy little box um the packaging looks like it should be like a makeup pencil not (laughs) a pencil pencil it's pretty amusing but um yeah if i leave that out on the test station people pick it up and always react to it immediately um yeah that's a great one the rainbow pencils those ones that have like multiple colors mixed in them are always really surprising to people especially like people just walking by um and yeah the camel pencils any form of camel pencil is always really exciting to our customers in store and online that's awesome. Yeah, that's just a really, really good look, striking look, and awesome quality. Speaking of awesome quality, Mike, why don't you tell us about our good friends at Mack Weldon? Mack Weldon make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you're ever going to wear. Frankly, they are better than what you're wearing right now. Of course, unless you're wearing Mack Weldon already. Mack Weldon is so confident of this, they have a no questions asked return policy. So they're so sure that you'll be super comfortable in whatever you buy that if you don't like your first pair, you keep them and they'll refund you, no questions asked. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. They make undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and waistbands that don't roll. Everything they make is with premium cotton blended with natural fibers, and their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They don't want to waste your time. As I've been doing a bunch of traveling um, over the past couple of weeks and over the next couple of weeks, I am making myself feel very comfortable by wearing my Mac Weldon gear because it keeps me good and it keeps me feeling nice and it makes me look good too. Like I don't look like I'm just kind of slumming it in the airport, right? Like uh, I, I look good in this stuff. Right, the sweatpants that they make are like my favorite things on the planet. I could talk about them forever. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. Listeners of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com with the code PENADDICT, all one word. Thank you so much to Mack Weldon for their support of this show. It's MacWeldon.com, code PENADDICT for 20% off. Thanks for supporting Relay FM, Mack Weldon. So you up for some listener questions, Caroline? We got a few in here. Yeah, I'm ready. I purposely didn't look at that part of the show notes because I wanted to be surprised. Yeah, I I sometimes just leave these out just because, yeah, I think it's better just, you know, kind of going off the cuff a little bit. But this, yeah. this one is one I wanted to know the answer to and one you just mentioned a moment ago. And this is from Scott. And I'm going to read this. It says, I'm rediscovering woodcase pencils and I find fountain pen friendly paper to be rather pencil unfriendly as if it is too coated or smooth and doesn't allow for the pencil to leave enough graphite behind. What should I be looking for in a paper suited for pencils? CW Pencils carries the Mormon memo sign notebooks. What pencil hardness works best with that paper? So that's I think that's a great question because a lot of listeners um, that 
aren't necessarily into wood case pencils or just getting into them like, you know, I am over the past year and a lot of listeners like Scott, you know, we might have rhodia pads sitting on our desk or some other coated, very smooth paper that's going to show off fountain pen ink properties and then you break out a pencil and it doesn't really work that well. So what what's your thoughts on that? That is a great question. Um, yeah, rhodia paper is a little bit too smooth. Um, you're, if, depending on the pencil, it's just going to smear all over your paper. And especially if you dig an eraser to it, that's when it gets really messy. Um, yeah, pencil definitely needs something like something to hold on to a little bit. Um, the Nemesis notebooks are amazing. Those we sell tons of those. That's probably our best selling range of notebooks because they are they're great for any writing instrument pretty much and um they just look really cool they're basically mm. just like a fancy adult version of like a school notebook yeah and they they're one of my all-time favorites yeah they're they're so good um that's what we use like for our own we each have our own like small one that we use for like our to-do lists um mm. and all the all of, all, all of our like daily work um but those, I I don't have a problem with any pencil hardness on those. I wouldn't use anything like just for general note taking, anything above like maybe like a 2B on those. Mm-hmm. Um, harder pencils work well on it. Uh, one that I used a couple months ago, Alex had us do like a one pencil challenge where we were only allowed to use one type of pencil for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And I chose one that I was really not familiar with, which was the Viarco Desenho in an H which is much harder than I normally prefer. And I was so surprised by how great it was on that paper. It was amazing. It felt smooth. It like, made a little bit of a sound. I almost like my pencils to sound a little bit scratchy. I feel like it just makes me more aware of like the physicality of the thing I'm using. But um, it didn't smudge at all, which was the best part. I, I realized after using that pencil that it's great for left-handed people, especially because it really doesn't smudge, especially on nemesine paper. Um but yeah, that's that's a tricky one because they do like different paper, and even pencils don't like really toothy paper. So, because mm. um, then then it just like picks up too much graphite and it gets just like messy and gross. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if anyone has tried the um, craft design technology and life notebooks did a collaboration, and they have this amazing notepad that's like kind of medium sized and. It's perforated, it's bound at the top, and it's this like really creamy paper that has a very faint grid on it, and it's the grid is printed on both sides. Um, and that paper is great for anything, for fountain pen, for pencil. That's another, another one of our bestsellers, like all-time favorites. Okay, I need that notebook in my life because I'm a huge life fan, and uh, yeah, uh, I will check that out, plus that pencil. Yeah, it's cool. Tell, tell me the name of that Viarco again. Which model was it? It's the Viarco Desenho in an H. Okay. Added to the list. (laughs) (laughs) So the one I had recently added to the list and made sure I ordered when I ordered my book um, because they sell out from time to time and I've missed them is your collaboration, your uh, CW pencils collaboration with Karan Dash. So I think that was probably my most asked question. Like talk about that pencil, tell her how to ask her how that came about, you know, what was the design based around, you know, tell us the story behind that. Yeah. Um, that, so that pencil, um, is one that is, well, also one of our best sellers and one Mm. of my personal favorites. And, um, that came about because Karen Dash makes this jumbo pencil that's black. It's like painted matte black like that. And it, the wood is dyed black and Mm. it's really smooth. It's like the only example of like an, a, a really adult jumbo pencil that I know of. Um, which is kind of the appeal of it because jumbo pencils are really awesome, but most people think that they're just for kids because that's how they're <laughs> usually marketed. Um, yep. 
But I, like, on a day-to-day basis, only use, like, regular size pencils just because they're more practical. I don't have to carry, like, a double hole sharpener all the time. Um, And so we had been talking with our friends at Karen Dash about um, what, like, what would it be like if we took this pencil, which we love, which we think is, like, super sophisticated, and made it smaller. Um, And so we talked about it a little bit. And then out of nowhere, they just, like, sent this prototype to me. Um, (laughs) And that was that we sent over our branding and that was it. I think they, if you're, I think if you're outside of the U S you can have that pencil with your branding on it. That's, Mm. um, something that they'll let you do, but, um, we've got the exclusive in the U S. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a really great pencil and it has really good point retention. It's the same core that's in a Swiss wood pencil. If you're familiar Mm -hmm. with those, um, it's, it's really, it's really great because it's a little bit dark. It feels very, very smooth, but um, it holds its point really well, which is something that people are always looking for. Yeah, that's one of my favorite just to write with. I really like that chord. Super smooth and holds its point forever. I, that, yeah. That's what I'm using. You asked me before the show started, what pencil were you writing with? That's the pencil I'm using today. And in my show notes are being written on your Write Notepads collaboration, um, the Pocket Ledger book. Oh. So the little spiral, spiral bound with the green, yeah. the green lines and the Cron Dash CWPE Blackwood pencil, which is amazing. So now this other one collaboration you've done recently with Musgrave, the Bugle 1816 pencil. Tell me about yeah. that one, because this one's completely new to me. I was unaware of it until um, probably today. So tell, tell us about that, because it looks super interesting. It's crazy looking. Yeah, um, and I actually have a secret to share about that pencil. Ooh, we like secrets. Um, well, uh, the Bugle is one of our best-selling pencils. It's amazing mm-hmm. because it's so simple. It's just round. It doesn't have an eraser on it. First of all, there aren't a lot of round pencils out there these days, um, which historically is really sad because most pencils used to come in a round shape, um, and they're a lot more comfortable for a lot of people to hold. So the bugle is round. It's not painted. It just has a clear varnish on it. The text is really simple, very, very nostalgic, printed in white. It has two tiny little bugles even printed on it, like the actual instrument. Um, and they're 25 cents. They're our least expensive pencil. People buy them like like 30 at a time because they're mm. really reliable, just like really simple, amazing American pencil. They're made in Tennessee. So um, Musgrave, who makes them, Lynn at Musgrave, randomly, like a f- about a month ago, sent me a package with no note in it, like nothing. <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't even a package. It was like a, just like a small bubble mailer. And I opened it and inside was just like a handful of these pencils that were round, that were half regular wood and half black. Um. And I emailed her and was like, what are like, what are these? Where did these come from? Like, why did you send them? And she was like, oh, um, those were an accident. Um, somehow, like the black slats and the regular slats got mixed. And this is the pencil that happened. Um, and we wanted to show them to you in case there was something you might want to do with them. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, that's yeah. what happened. And so I told her like, okay, well, the Bugles are best-selling pencil. Like, can we just slap that branding on there, maybe in a different foil color and make it like a special edition Bugle? And she really did not like that idea. She really mm. wanted something like a little bit more like about us and a little bit more like personalized. And um, yeah, but then we ended up like, I ended up fighting her on that one and that's what we did. And we just put them online yesterday and they've been really popular. It's even that one's, it's a 35 cent pencil and it's kind of wacky looking. We yeah. uh, uh, initially, when we first saw them, were really excited about it being like a limited edition to us because the way that it's like half black looks like those like giant black and white cookies that mm-hmm. we have here in New York. 
Um, and so we were like, oh, it's like a, it's like a New York cookie pencil. And so um, we were very excited about that. But yeah, the whole thing was an accident. And it was just a matter of us figuring out what to do with this like weird, awesome accident. That's awesome. That's how the best stuff comes about. I tell you what, that's really, really cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm the one these people come to when they want to figure these things out. <laughs> right. We have something weird. Can you help? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good because you can you can see the weirdness and you either get it immediately and you can say, this is a thing, or you go, yeah, that's actually weird and no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this next one's from Sebastian. He wants to know, as someone who doesn't get pencils, I wonder how you talk to non-pencil people about pencils. He says, my thinking is with fountain pens today, a lot of people have never even considered them as an option, so using one becomes special, and talking about it shows you are in some way interested in a special hobby. Pencils seem so ubiquitous and ordinary. If you wanted to get me hooked or just talk to someone who's not even into stationery, what sets a good pencil apart from a regular yellow school pencil? That is a question I get on an everyday basis mm-hmm. in the shop. Um, yes. So uh, there's a little bit of a problem that, especially here in the U.S., adults don't often use pencils because they assume that they're all the same, mm-hmm. um, that they're all like the garbage that you can buy at Staples, like the just like not even branded, just like really bad, broken pencils. Or even Ticonderogas, which are really hit or miss these days because ever since their production left the U.S., um, they've been a little bit off. But um, we're like on a whole, we're not exposed to great pencils just like in everyday shops, um, in your office supply stores, um, even a lot of times online. Target has some decent ones. Um, and so... Yeah, I what like when anyone's skeptical, when anyone like doesn't get it or thinks like, okay, like a pencil is a pencil. Um, I mean, that's exactly why my shop exists is so that I can mm-hmm. prove to people that a pencil is not just a pencil. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just, yeah, my advice for that is that you just need to try some other pencils. Um, and we, we actually have a sampler pack for that for people who don't get it or people who are like new and just like don't know where to start, especially that, that people just like don't know where to start because it's very overwhelming. Um, but yeah, we get that all the time in the shop when people will come in, like families will come in and like half the family will be like really into it and like the other half will just kind of like stand against the wall, like really confused <laughs> as to why everybody's like freaking out over like a measly pencil. And um, yeah, those people I try to keep an eye on and try to like lure them <laughs> to a test station so they can try them out. Um, and nine times out of 10, they're very surprised and end up leaving with something because they realize that like these things can be awesome. And they're so nostalgic too. Like the smell of like a freshly sharpened cedar pencil is unbeatable. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of people just forget that pencils can be really pleasurable. Yep. Yep. I, I like that. Um, you know, it's it's why you exist. I think that's a, that's a perfect way to, to, to say that. All right. We're going to get you out on a, on a little fun one here. And this is from Trent. And he wants to know which pencils burn the best as part of a small offering to my pen collection. So Trent must not be a, a, a pencil fan. And he has to, uh, you know, they have to go to the altar of his, of his pen collection and the pencil is going to be an offering. So what pencils burn the best for Trent Jeez, here? Jeez, we're like literally <laughs> burning them? I, that was wrong, wasn't it, Caroline? That was wrong, Trent. How did you accept this question? Um, well, I feel like um, we should give Trent something that's going to be a problem for him. You know, yeah, like something that would give off a real bad smell, so he'll never do we're it gonna, again. Yeah, we're gonna pick like a 
a very old pencil with like toxic paint. Ooh, there <laughs> um, we go. I like that. Teach you trend. Like, like an that. old like World War One era indelible pencil. Yeah, um, get get some legit yeah. lead poisoning in there. Yep. Yeah. Now I think. Um, Ooh, I think there shouldn't be paint. Definitely not a feral in an eraser. You don't want to be burning that. And that would like look crazy because it would just like start sparking. That That's not good. Um, we would need actually, you know what would actually look really pretty? That Viking in Denmark make a pencil called the Rollo. That's like this mini jumbo pencil. It's like the size between a jumbo and a regular size pencil. That's mm. completely unfinished. And it's like kind of chunky. Um, definitely not toxic. If I trust anyone, it's probably... It's probably our nice friends in Denmark. Um, so may- maybe that, if you really yeah. are going to burn a pencil. Or maybe we should just make this about the pencil and just like go to Staples and buy those really, really bad ones. That's right. Um, and burn them. But That's right. I do sometimes, if I save, if I have a bowl of pencil shavings on my kitchen counter, which I very frequently do, um, I have a fireplace in my living room, so I just throw the shavings in the fire. They spark nice. like the like the bits of graphite spark, and it's really, it's really kind of fun. It's a good fire starter. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. And Caroline, you're fantastic and your shop's fantastic. And we love everything that you do. And thank you so much for finding the time to put up with our nonsense today and visit with the pen people for a while because we have, I think we've become pencil converts because of you. And uh, yep. that's, uh, that's a big deal. And uh, we really, really appreciate you. Wow. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah, and we will have to do it again where we can we can nerd out on some of the uh, the really technical details like that we get into with the the pins and stuff that'll give me time to do yeah. some more research and and really get into the the down and dirty. You should set us some challenges, Caroline, you know, some 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 pencil challenges that we have to complete and we can give some feedback on them or something. Yeah. That would be yeah. fun. We could get all the pencil ladies involved. <laughs> we'll do that. So we will get you back soon. Um, and uh, thanks again for doing this. So, uh, tell everyone, you know, before we get out, where they can find you online if they are not familiar with what you do. Yeah. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at CW Pencil Enterprise. Um, on Twitter at CW Pencils, I'll admit I'm not that gr- I'm not that good at Twitter. Um, and our website is CWPencils.com, and we're also on Facebook. Awesome! Thank you so much, Mike. You can get us out of here today. Yes, yeah, well, so I, I guess I did mention at the yeah, very start reminder. of the show that it is the calm before the storm, and the calm is Caroline. The storm is Atlanta. So <laughs> next ep- the next week's episode of the show will be out a little bit later than usual. It'll be out on the weekend because we are going to be together again for the mm-hmm. third time in mm-hmm. Atlanta, Georgia at the Atlanta Pen Show. And we're going to be recording our show in person live uh, with Anna and maybe a special guest or two. Um, mm-hmm. And as we've mentioned before, so this will be recorded on video. The video will be available to backers of the Kickstarter campaign, but the audio will be the live episode released as normal um, with our audience. If you're going to be in Atlanta, there will be seats. We don't, I can't confirm how many I can't confirm. You will definitely get a seat. We will work this out. There will be more information in the pen addict slack. And and you need to come see me in Atlanta. You will need to (laughs) come to the Knox store. We'll have a table me and Brad will be at the table all day, every day, forever, all day. 
You can except come when and we're get at Waffle House. Yeah, except when we're at Waffle House, but that's only when the when the the, the everything's all closed up. And um, I guess we'll have tickets or something, right? Yes, yeah. which you will need. Mm-hmm. There you go. You will need one of those tickets to get in the room because if there's anything like last year, there are more people than we can fit in the room. Um, mm-hmm. It's as big a room as we can get. We put as many chairs in there as we can. Yep. Uh, but like like having pencils in a small room, there can be a fire risk uh, when there's too many people <laughs> in a room. So we're very excited. I can't believe we're doing this again. Thank you to mm-hmm. everyone that's allowing us to do this by helping us out. So keep in touch with me and Brad on the social networks and it's on, on the, the Panatic Slack to get all the details that you need. And next week we'll have our third live recording from Atlanta available to you. But for that, for this week, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to our lovely sponsors for this week's episode, the fine folk over at Harry's, Panchalet, and Mac Weldon. If you want to find Brad online, go to panaddict.com and knock.co. You can go to at Dowdyism on Twitter, Panchalet on Instagram. I am iMike. And once again, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute thrill and a pleasure, and I am so happy we finally had you on the show. Well, thank you. And everybody out there in Panatic Podcast Land, we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.